Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Valentine's Day. It can suck. And if you're like me, you might have bad memories of having to try to make glitter and heart construction paper valentines that just like weren't as cool as the other kids at school. And really, I'm having some flashbacks to those days now as a working mom with my own kids trying to make sure that their valentines are cool enough and maybe better than some of the other kids to bring to school. And it's hard. I'm Sasha Coca, and this is the California Report magazine. And today we're going to step back a little bit and remember that love is about more than just glitter and construction paper. We're going to hear what it means to a nine-year-old and a 94-year-old. Love is always surrounding you. It's never, like, not surrounding you. And whether you're falling in love or out of love, love is a powerful, powerful medicine. And have you ever fantasized about falling in love with your Lyft driver? Well, we've got a real-life story about just that. This is the California Report magazine, your state, your stories. So it might sound like a cliche, but it's true. Passenger and Lyft driver fall in love. So this is a couple who's actually friends with KQED producer Marisol Medina Cadena. And she's been coming into the office for the last couple weeks and telling me their story. Every time she does, I just get this huge grin on my face. Let's meet them. It was probably like my third year of college. I was had an internship with a newspaper at the time. I think it was the examiner. Yeah, so I didn't have time for like a regular job. And I was like, I have a car. I'm in like one of the prime cities that people take lifts. So I should just do that to help sustain myself through that semester or however long my internship was. I remember it was a Saturday and I don't think I was really, I was like, damn, I could go out tonight and spend money that I do not have or I can be an adult and like save some money and make some money. Yeah, so I just like hopped in my car it was my friend Adam's birthday, and we were at my friend David's apartment, and we were there chilling, like, watching Netflix, music videos, playing video games, and there was, like, a turning point in the night because about half of us were getting tired because we'd been drinking since 2 o'clock, and, and then, like, the other half of us were like, man, what are we going to do next? And my friend Adam, whose birthday, I don't know, like, what lit his fire, but he just, like, got up and was like, no, let's go to a dancing bar. And they were like, okay, okay. We then proceeded to call, I think it was like three three different lift cars because there was like 14 of us. These are all my like really close college friends and out of my college friends, I'm the only one who was like single at the time. 
and Adam noticed that the Lyft driver that he had was assigned was Aaliyah. And you know, you can see that little small circular picture. He was like looking at the phone all up to his face. It's like, oh my God, Eugene, this, this Lyft driver is super cute. It's like, you riding in this car, Eugene, you riding in this car. We're all like pretty buzzed, like on that like verge of like being sloppy drunk. I knew that they were drunk immediately when they got into the car because of how his friends got into the car. You know, like that drunk scoot when one person gets in and you just automatically know. You're like, what up, y'all? Happy Saturday. I'm glad I'm getting you to your party. And then he just kind of like started talking to me and was like, yeah, so how's your day going? We just did the small talk at first. But I think where we really connected was when she told me she was doing a bunch of like film stuff at SF State. And then I was like, oh, wow, that's like what I'm kind of doing with the students I teach over in Oakland. Um, I guess his students were working on a documentary. And so I was just asking him about like, wow, how did y'all get these interviews? And like was really invested in that conversation. Aaliyah seemed to care about a lot of things I cared about. And so we really were like, connecting over that and we were just exchanging like stories about how how like digital media is like a really powerful weapon for youth i have had people when they would get off the car they'd be like hey can i get your number and um it was cool but it also made me feel weird because we just had like a normal conversation and they kind of like made our conversation sexualized in a way. And so like I had never um, texted them back or anything because it just, I feel like, I didn't feel like their intentions were where I wanted them to be. But Eugene didn't really make me feel that way. We were just kind of like having a great conversation and really like vibing with each other. When we rolled up to the spot, my mind was going like a million miles a minute. And my friends were like, making me feel nervous. They were pushing me and everything, saying, ask her for her number. And in my head, I was saying, no, no. Like, she probably has tons of guys, like, ask her for a number. I do not want to be lumped into that. I want to be different. And I was just thinking, like, think, think, think. What do I do? It's like, then I came up with it. I was like, why don't I offer her my number and have it, like, have the ball be on her, her court so she doesn't feel pressure to, like, if she wasn't feeling it, then it's like, all right, no harm. No harm, no foul, it doesn't have to call me. And so when, when it finally got my friends out the car, I was kind of just like trying to linger because I didn't want to put her on the spot. And at that point, I was like, oh man, he's gonna ask me for my number. And then I knew that conversation was like about to happen. As soon as my friends got out of the car, that's when I asked her like, hey, would it be cool if I give you my number? And cause I would love I would love to continue our conversation over like coffee or lunch. I tried to make it very low risk. I was shocked that he offered me his number and I was like, oh my God, okay, yes. As she started to leave, I was like thinking in my head, did I make, did I make the right decision? I was talking to my roommate and I was like, do you think I should text that guy? And she was like, text him. If you wanna text him, text him. And I was like, I don't know, I'll, I'll keep on thinking about it. Monday rolls around and I'm at work and I was like, oh my God, she's not gonna text me. I made the wrong decision. Why didn't I ask her for her number? When I finally get home from classes, um, I go to my roommate and I'm like, yo, tell me the truth, should I text him? And she said, Aaliyah, 
you have not shut up about him from the moment you got home on Saturday. Just text him. Stop bugging me about it and text him. And then I did. <laughs> when she did finally text me, like it was such a huge relief because I was just like, oh my gosh, she texted me back because I was just so scared she wasn't going to at all. And I was just going to hate myself for it <laughs> forever. <laughs> and here we are. That was Aaliyah Fajardo and Eugene Borgeson. Now, it's been nearly four years since they first took that fateful lift ride together. And they've been together ever since. They live in Oakland now, and they're both high school teachers. Their story was produced by Marisol Medina Cadena. And now we're going to meet a California DJ who's been connecting lovers for more than 75 years. Hi, you got the Art LeBeau connection. That's me. Who is this? We first aired this profile I did of him last Valentine's Day, starting with his signature on-air kiss. Let me give you the big one. Here's the big one. He's been on the air since 1943, and he was one of the first DJs to play rock and roll on the West Coast. He trademarked the term oldies but goodies. Hey, here we go. Earth Angel going out to Lydia from Mr. Rubin. I love you so much. Here's some kisses. You're my Earth Angel. Smooth operator, we're in the love zone. Welcome to the love zone. The love zone is a tiny studio in Palm Springs where I'm watching him broadcast. Sound meters flicker and phone lines light up as callers vie to get in the queue to make a dedication. At 93, Art still pumps out an oldies show six days a week, nonstop, from 7 p.m. to midnight. After three quarters of a century on the air, he's still as smooth as ever. Hey, let me tell you something. There's a lot of smooth operators in this part of our program. <laughs> and a lot of love in the air, that's for sure. Arts spent his career here in California, broadcasting from San Francisco in the 1940s and from Los Angeles for many decades afterwards. Santa Monica, Boss Radio for Southern California. I'll be back right after the big story with the Art LeBeau K-Day Parade of Stars. But These days, tens of thousands of listeners stream his show online or tune in on more than a dozen radio stations across California. He gets thousands of letters from listeners in prison. Many of those calling in are the partners and lovers of people who are incarcerated. Hi, you got the Art LeBeau connection. That's me. Who is this? Rosie Morales from Somewhere. Rosie calls in every single night with a message to her husband, Scrappy. He's serving a life sentence without parole in Kern Valley State Prison in Delano. For the next year and a half, he's in solitary confinement and can't talk to her on the phone. Say something to him. Puppy, I got your mail. I love you so much. You're my best friend. My everything. I only have eyes for you. I'll meet you in my dreams and my pops. Love you. Mwah, mwah, mwah. That was beautiful. And well, Scrappy sends in dedications, too. Sometimes he dedicates the same song back to his wife. Well, here's one. Let's, let's add this one in. A really great song called Fire and Desire by Rick James and Tina Marie. To my wife, Rosie Morales, from your husband, Scrappy says, thank you for always loving me. You're my everything. I love you. And here's some kisses. 
And here's Fire and Desire. Wow. It's really good to see you again. Yes, that Fire and Desire, that's one of our special songs because my husband sings it to me all the time. I desire his love and he's a fire to my life. I always say when you love someone, you don't give up on that love. What I love about our label is just that he's able to communicate to our loved ones when we're not able to physically or on the phone. He's there for us when we can't be there for them. He brings that spark into relationships. He's just an amazing DJ. Like I, I would listen to him until my last breath. They're there every night, man and wife doing it to each other, you know, dedications. It's just kind of like, you know, a conjugal, but not conjugal. <laughs> they get the smooch from your lips. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I kiss a lot on the air. <laughs> I've met a, some nice girls that way. They call in and want to know what time I got off the air and stuff like that, you know. I thought, this isn't such a bad business. Because <laughs> I was little and scrawny, wasn't the big he-man that women go for in chi school. <laughs> Did you ever meet your sweethearts lots through these them. dedications? Lots of them. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I'm not married at present. But wives are still friendly. That's good. I think that's a big thing. I'm single. I pay no alimony. Before Art LeBeau fell in love with his wives or with love songs, he fell in love with radio. And uh, I was hooked on radio since I was eight, eight years old. And there were no television or anything. And my sister sent us a radio. This box came and uh, it talked. As a teenager, Art moved from Salt Lake City to Los Angeles to live with his older sister, and he started a ham radio station in his bedroom closet. You could hear it for about 10 blocks from my house. But it wasn't just his neighbors listening. One day, two federal agents came to talk to him about his illegal broadcasting tower. Yes, if you shut it down right away, we're going to drive by here tomorrow. If your antenna's down, why then, you know, we're not going to press any charges. Because they got a big kick out of the fact that there was this dumb kid, you know, not so dumb, but at that age, doing this music on the radio. When Art turned 18, he walked into radio station KSAN in San Francisco and asked for a job. He had a radio operator's license, but no experience. And a last name the station manager thought sounded too ethnic for the airwaves in 1943. So Art Ignoyan, the son of Armenian immigrants, took the name of the station's receptionist, and he became Art LeBeau. But his music and his fans have never been whitewashed. He's beloved by African-American and Latinx listeners across the West. Hot rods and low riders booming his tunes from their tricked-out cars. He built his fan base in the 1950s and 60s when he did something considered radical back then, bringing people together for public rock and roll dance parties that were racially integrated and open to all ages. They were held in El Monte 
a suburb of Los Angeles. Well, those of you from Southern California will never forget the song I'm going to play next. Frank Zappa wrote a song called Memories of El Monte with one of the members of his crew, Ray Collins. They're both gone now, but I hope they're smiling wherever they are, and we're going to play that song that Mom will remember and Dad will remember and, uh, and Uncle Luis will remember. It's called Memories of El Monte. I'm all alone Feeling so blue Thinking about you And the love we once knew And each time I do It brings back those memories Of El Monte Art LeBeau produced several landmark albums out of those concerts, celebrating the way music brought multiracial audiences together. And I'm happy that it's everybody. If you come to one of our concerts, you'll see a mixture, a complete mixture of what we have in L.A. Art's still doing live shows with bands, wearing a bedazzled tracksuit and a sparkly bowler hat. He's got several planned this month for Valentine's Day in places like Anaheim, San Diego, and Phoenix. That's on top of broadcasting six nights a week. This tiny 93-year-old with a big heart hasn't gotten tired of playing matchmaker every night. I'm going to play you that old-timer you're looking for, and I'm going to play the one by the Skyliners, which happens to be my favorite song. We're also going to send this one out to husband Christian Hernandez at Tehachapi from Joanna Ayala. And uh, Joanna sends you lots of kisses, Christian. Plays this song by the Skyliners, Since I Don't Have You. Since I don't have you. But what is it about love songs, you know, with the lyrics like that that's that speak to you? I mean, you spend hours and hours every day playing these songs that are about the heart, that are about love. Well, love is a powerful powerful medicine and whether you're falling in love or out of love you know so we we put our stamp on it people pick the music on the Art LeBeau connection and you get to get a peek into their lives too because you're hearing them make a dedication make a love song to somebody it's like an on-air valentine And also, a dedication to you, Mom Proxy, from your son Chai and the boys, George, Mike, Hapo, Lep, Vince, Running Bear, and Hawaiian. Says, Mom, you have a heart of gold. You got so much to love and love in you that your love could light up a small country. Close your eyes now. Think back to the good old days of early rock and roll. Sincerely, by the moon glows. Sincerely. Art LeBeau says he knows people his age always say this kind of thing. But he is nostalgic for the old days, a time when people used to have a little more kindness for each other. People are people, you know, and they still have the same basic wants. And everyone is capable of love and affection, and if they could just have more of it for each other. 
please That's Art LeBeau, disc jockey of love, in a story we first brought you last year. He's now been on the air 77 years. Now we're going to dig back deeper into our archives. We've got quite an archive, actually, on the California Report. We've been around for 25 years this year. We're going to play you a story now from Valentine's Day 2014, back when Scott Schaefer hosted the show. He introduced us to a group of fourth graders from Malcolm X Elementary School in Berkeley grappling with the idea of love. In some ways, cards, chocolate, red roses, and romantic dinners are the easy part of celebrating Valentine's Day. But what about the love part? That is, after all, what the holiday is supposed to be about. Well, that can be trickier, when to say the L word and all. Now, we know, because the Beatles told us that you can't buy love, but can you teach love, like in school? Hello, class. Today, well, welcome to Love Academy. Today, we will be giving a demonstration on the facts of love. That's Dimitri Bradley at Malcolm X Elementary School in Berkeley. In December, his fourth grade class gave presentations on love to kindergartners at the school, part of its love skills curriculum. It's a way to get kids thinking about things like respect, discipline, and love. The students spent a week talking about love and then a day sharing stories, skits, and songs. Teacher Lisa Kelly says learning about love matters to her fourth graders. Just having love being talked about in the classroom is always so eye-opening for the kids because it's kind of like, I thought love was a private thing. I thought it was like a personal thing that was only between me and my mom or me and my dad or me and the person I have a crush on, or, you know. After the lesson on love, reporters Sarah Bernard, Aaron Mendelson, and Alejandro Rosas caught up with some of the fourth graders at Malcolm X to ask them what they learned and what they know about love. And love means to me is like caring for someone else and putting um, some, someone else's needs in b- b- before yours. Love is always surrounding you. It's never like not surrounding you. What I think love is, is it's a big tree and family are the roots and friends are the stems. But after all, love is that big tree that everybody likes. I've been in love with this boy that still goes to my school and his name is um, Dane. He like likes to do flips and stuff and I used to take gymnastics. That's one of the reasons I like him. I don't believe that you like actually been in love till you're like have a boyfriend or girlfriend. But you could like someone um, at any age, it doesn't really matter. I love love songs. They're like the best songs in the world. Like Adele, Rolling in the Deep. We could have had it all. Those were fourth graders Fasa Meritu, Giselle Leslie, Alishba Shabir, Aurora Pope, Zarina Dixon, and Isaac Mitchell. 
So that story was from back in 2014. Six years later, we tracked down one of those fourth graders. She's now a 10th grader. My name is Alishba Shabir. I remember I said something about, like, love is like a tree and the roots are, um, are your family and the branches are like friends. What I think love is, is it's a big tree and family are the roots and friends are the stems. But after all, love is that big tree that everybody likes. So I guess like now thinking back on it, it was kind of a complex like thing that I was thinking about. But yeah, it's it's changed over the years. It's not just like romance. It's it's so much deeper than that. I bake a lot, so if I bake you something, that definitely says something about like how close we are. I just I, I let people know like like thank you. I I appreciate people a lot for like whatever they do for me, and like I do a lot for them. I try my best to do a lot for them too in return. I don't know if I like the idea of Valentine's Day. I feel like if you like when you love somebody, you love them every day. You appreciate them every day. Valentine's Day is such a like hyped up sort of day. It's like, oh, this is a day that you get this person flowers, and this is a day that you like tell this person that you love them. When really, it's like you can do it any day. If if you love your mom or your sister or your friend or anybody, just like let them know any day. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Some people don't really know the true meaning of love, but like once you find it, like you know, sort of. And like it's it's such a beautiful thing, honestly. It's what makes the world whole. That was 10th grader Alishba Shabir, interviewed by our producer Ariella Markowitz. So next week, we've got an exciting show coming up for you. We have Anna Sale, the host of Death, Sex, and Money on our show, talking about the stories of Japanese-American incarcerees, including a couple who met as kids in an internment camp, and then they fell in love years later when they were college students at UC Berkeley. Their daughter, Shirley Ann Higuchi, tells their story. But for that incarceration, I wouldn't be here talking to you. Um, When they bumped into each other years later at the University of California, Berkeley, their faces, interestingly enough, looked identical to when they were kids. And that recognition um, turned into um, uh, a love affair and marriage. And Shirley sort of has to grapple with that um, because she at once recognizes that that is how her parents came together and also... um, talking more with her, it really felt like she was able to feel more anger uh, about the incarceration than her, um, particularly her mother, was ever willing to express um, during her lifetime. That's Anna Sale coming up next week on our show as we commemorate the anniversary of Executive Order 9066. That's the presidential order that led to the internment of nearly 100,000 Californians of Japanese descent.
And that's our show for this week. The California Report magazine is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Our director is Susie Racho. Our technical producer is Seal Muller. And this week we had additional engineering help from Katie McMurrin. Victoria Maleone is our senior editor. And our intern is Ariella Markowitz. Our team also includes Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Sasha Coca. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, presenting Tradeoffs, a new podcast that tries to make sense of our costly and complicated healthcare system. Subscriptions at tradeoffs.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.